0: Politically correct parents are now celebrating brutal and life-destroying child abuse. Our society and our despicable media are celebrating with them. So I don't know if you've seen this video. It's going around of this woman named Erica Mason of Detroit, and she's giving her 14-year-old biological son, Corey Mason, a dose of estrogen because this 14-year-old son thinks he is a girl on the inside. So he's a transgender boy, right? And he's... Thinks that he's a girl. Here's how ABC News headlined this dramatic act of brutality, this mother giving estrogen treatment to a biological boy. Quote, see this transgender teen's emotional response to a life-changing event. Here's what ABC News actually wrote. Quote, If Corey Mason's story is any proof, sometimes the biggest things really do come in the smallest packages. Last week the transgender teen from Detroit received a life-changing gift inside a little pink and white box, her first dose. Of estrogen and her emotional response caught on camera by her mother erica mason has gone viral erica talked to abc news about the hurdles faced by corey including exclusion and bullying at school that forced corey to be homeschooled and then corey's mother gave him hormone therapy to stop puberty this is when he was like 11 years old so an 11 year old boy was given hormone therapy to stop puberty We can't wait until he's 18 because, you see, then puberty would have kicked in. He'll look like a man, so we have to actually stop a boy from developing into a man in order so that we can make sure that the boy develops into a woman. This is all biological nonsense, but this is how society now views this crap. Corey went back to public school looking more like a girl, and then Erica lectures all of us on proper parenting technique. Quote, I want them to open their hearts and accept their children for who they are, not for what gender they do or do not identify with. Their hearts do not change because their outer appearance does. We all just want to be loved and accepted by others. That's all any transgender child wants, to be loved and accepted fully by their parents. Now, the idea behind this kind of garbage is that gender is completely a societal construct, and if you want to save your transgender child, all you have to do is tolerate, and of course, make sure that your kid has hormone therapy at 11 and transgender surgery at 15 or 16 years old. Here's what transgender kids actually need, proper therapy and treatment. But this is what happens when a society begins to accept the crap pseudoscience of transgenderism. Kids suffer, and they suffer at the hands of their parents. Corey is not going to be cured of maleness through prepubescent hormone treatments and therapy. Here's the stats, okay? Just 4.6% of Americans altogether attempt suicide. 41% of transgender people do. According to the Williams Institute at UCLA and the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, quote, prevalence of suicide attempts is elevated among those who disclose to everyone that they are transgender or gender nonconforming. 50% of people who tell all their friends that they're transgender try to commit suicide at some point. 45% of transgender people who have undergone hormone therapy try suicide. So it turns out that only 41% of transgenders try suicide. That number goes up if you have hormone therapy. The same is true for people who undergo any form of surgery. Actually, suicide rates are the lowest among transgender people who don't want any form of treatment. And as for this ridiculous notion that it's because society is mean that transgender people commit suicide, this too is garbage. It's nonsense. The reason that transgender people try to commit suicide is because they suffer from a horrible mental illness, and you have to feel horrible for them. Here's what the stats show. For transgender people, who say they occasionally are identified as transgendered by others, in other words, they're walking around and somebody says, you're not really a woman, you're a dude, 41% have attempted suicide. And that's only for those who are operating occasionally. And among those who say that they are never identified as transgender, never, ever, meaning that they live their entire life and nobody really cares whether they're transgender or not, 36% of them try to commit suicide, in other words, Transgenderism, it's a mental disorder, it's not the fault of a societal construct. The only real societal construct is the stupid, idiotic, ascientific, anti-evidentiary notion that biological sex and gender are totally separate and independent. They aren't. And it's cruel for the media to promulgate this garbage, especially when it does have impact on kids. The fact is that this particular kid decided that he was a she after watching YouTube videos about Jazz Jennings, the YouTube star, transgender child. There are effects to a society that wishes to participate in mass delusion. Corey is a casualty, and his mother is the perpetrator. I'm Ben Shapiro, and this is The Ben Shapiro Show. No, Isn't it a my race is political stuff. Stuff. Tend there's to tend to demonize people because don't the care the about your feelings? No
1: more-
0: Today at this hour, the Obama administration is befuddled. They just don't know what to do about the current situation in Syria. The Russians are currently not just attacking ISIL groups. They're actually mostly attacking non-ISIL groups at this point. They're not attacking ISIS. They're attacking all the Free Syrian Army. And they're doing so actually with the help of the Iranians as well as Hezbollah. So basically, Vladimir Putin in Russia is doing what Stalin has sought to do for most of his career, which was take over the Middle East. Stalin in 1945, 1946, he actually tried to take over Turkey and Iran. That ended up actually resulting in the Truman Doctrine, the, the idea that Truman put forth that the United States would defend democracy wherever it sprung up and fight against communism, and obviously that had effects in in Korea as well as Vietnam. That was a direct effect of an attempt by the Russians in 1945-46 to take over Iran and Turkey. Now, Putin is doing the same thing because of the weakness of President Obama. According to the Daily Mail, just now, right now, it is clear that the Russian forces are striking out against CIA-backed rebels, so Russia is basically in a proxy war with the people that we trained. And meanwhile, they're calling in Iran and Hezbollah, Hezbollah is of course, the Iranian-backed Lebanese terrorist group, they're calling those folks in for support against the anti-Assad forces. So they're using ISIS as cover to go up against all of the forces that the United States supports. Putin is making some very strong moves in Syria. He's taking over Syria for himself, and he's allying himself with the Iranian forces. He's also allying himself with Hezbollah. So basically what Putin is doing is he's eliminating the U.S.-backed options. The only two options in the region are going to be ISIS and the Russian alliance in Syria, which is Iran, Hezbollah, and Russia. All of that, of course, also threatens Israel because those groups hate Israel and wish to destroy Israel. Israel has been holding backdoor negotiations with the Russians, trying to get the Russians to call off their dogs against Israel the only reason Israel has to do that, of course, is because President Obama has become a dramatically anti-Israel force in the region. Meanwhile, the United States continues to dither in Syria. All of this is happening because Russia is filling a gap that was left uh, by, by the United States. The United States caused all of this. The United States created this gap. And you can hear the, uh, the Obama administration struggling for a response. They really don't know what to do here because when you're this weak, and when you think that the world is just going to run itself, and this is what happened. Secretary of State John Kerry who, unfortunately, when he fell off that bicycle back in Geneva several months ago, his his head-smacking incident didn't knock some sense into him. Instead, he actually said that he welcomes Russia's help in Syria. Again, again, important to understand, important to understand that Russia is currently bombing the people that we sent money to. He's bombing the the, the Free Syrian Army. And here's John Kerry, the Secretary of State, praising Vladimir Putin for bombing the people (laughs) that we have sent money to. Welcome to the brilliant... You know, the the don't-do-stupid-stuff side of the Obama administration. It's incredible. Here's John Kerry talking about Vladimir Putin. The United States
1: is prepared to work with any nation, including Russia and Iran, to resolve the conflict. But we must recognize that there cannot be, after so much bloodshed, so much carnage, a simple return to the pre-war status quo. My colleagues, the government of Russia has argued that we must support Assad in order to defeat ISIL. But the reality is that Assad has rarely chosen himself to fight ISIL. As the terrorists made inroads throughout large swaths of Syria and Iraq, raping, enslaving, and murdering civilians along the way, the Syrian regime didn't try to stop them. Instead, it focused all of its military power on moderate opposition groups who were fighting for a voice in Syria. Make no mistake, the answer to the Syrian civil war cannot be found in a military alliance with Assad. But I am convinced that it can be found, it can be found through a broadly supported diplomatic initiative aimed at a negotiated political transition, a transition that has been accepted by the Security Council. Okay, it's let's pause it right there. So,
0: so Kerry's actually changing his position right now. You have to understand, folks, Kerry is actually changing his position. His original position was Assad has to go and Assad has to go right this moment. Right there, you're hearing John Kerry talk specifically about how that's no longer the case. We need now a negotiated solution where Assad leaves over the course of time, lest there be a vacuum. And Assad reiterated uh, Kerry reiterated this. He said that you know, Vladimir Putin has to understand that Assad is, the, is, is, the, is what's blocking the solution, but Kerry has no ability to stand up to Putin or Assad because the fact is that all Putin is involved in here is not fighting ISIL, uh, fighting ISIS. The only, the only thing that, that Putin is involved in here is holding up Assad. That's, that's his whole agenda here. And again, this only happens, the only reason this happens is because President Obama left a major gap and Vladimir Putin filled it. You know, Stalin was not able to take over the Middle East because Truman said no. Putin, with a much weaker Soviet Union, he's trying to reconstitute the Soviet Union, a much weaker stance, Putin is now able to conquer vast swaths of the Middle East, or at least have his allies do so, because Barack Obama is weak. You all, of course, remember in 2012 when Barack Obama drew his red line. You remember this. President Obama talking about his red line in 2012.
1: I have, uh, at this point, not ordered military engagement in the situation, but the point that you made about chemical and biological weapons is critical. That's an issue that doesn't just concern Syria, it concerns our close allies in the region, including Israel. It concerns us. We cannot have a situation where chemical or biological weapons are falling into the hands of the wrong people. We have been very clear to the Assad regime, but also to other players, on the ground that a red line for us is we start seeing a whole bunch of chemical weapons moving around or being utilized. Okay, Uh, let's stop there. Of course, the President of the
0: United States didn't do anything when these chemical weapons actually were utilized in Syria. So once again, the President set the red line, the red line went away, it disappeared. Vladimir Putin is now using that red line in the middle of the desert as an airstrip for his various bombers, which he is using against United States forces. Now, the, the real question becomes, why should we care about any of this? Why should we care that Putin is taking over the Middle East? Why should we care that Iran is taking over half of Iraq? Why should we care about any of this? And the question is, is this a strategically valuable region for the United States? Do we have any sort of human rights obligation? These are two separate questions, because obviously not every place there's a human rights violation. Does the United States have an interest in intervening? However, that being said, clearly, if we proclaim that we are supposed to be a pro-human rights country, then being involved in making promises to not one, but two separate groups of people, really three, we made promises to the Kurds, we made promises to the Iraqis, and we made promises to the Syrians, that if they were to cooperate with us, they would not be targeted by the Assad regime or by Iran or by ISIS. And then allowing all of them to be blown out of the water, that's a pretty big betrayal. As far as this being a strategically important region, of course, it's a strategically important region for all of the talk by Al Gore and his magical green energy about how it's going to cure the world. The fact is we are still an oil and natural gas driven society. We will continue to be a carbon-based fuels driven society because carbon-based fuels are efficient and a disproportionate amount of carbon-based fuel comes from this particular region of the world. Plus, the fact is terrorism that happens over there doesn't stay over there. But what's amazing is the Obama administration, which really only has one obligation, to keep us safe and to advance American interests, they're now warning the Russians. They're warning the Russians that the Russians should be careful in Syria. Why? Because we screwed it up in Iraq. Seriously, this is their new response. Their new response is not that the Russians ought to stop what they're doing because they're siding with the bad guys, or that they should stop bombing the good guys, who are the Free Syrian Army in this particular case, even though there are problems with the Free Syrian Army. That's not the argument the Obama administration is pushing. The argument that they are now pushing is that Russia should be careful because if they're not careful, they might turn into a terribly evil country like the United States under George W. Bush. Josh Earnest at the White House actually said that Russia being in Syria is like the United States being in Iraq. This is how pernicious and nasty and venal this, this administration is, that the, the only simile that they can come up with, the only, the only similar situation that they can bring to mind in terms of the Russians utilizing a dictator to crush his own population, is the United States overthrowing a dictator in Iraq. Here is Josh Earnest at the White House blaming George W. Bush for everything because, of course, here was the line of policy. George W. Bush invades Iraq, stabilizes Iraq. Barack Obama comes in, destroys our stability in Iraq. ISIS comes in because Obama destroyed that stability. And now Syria is in chaos because of Obama, but really it's George W. Bush's fault, you see, for invading Iraq in the first place. Here's Josh Earnest at the White House making a fool of himself as he often does means that Russia is not going to be successful in imposing a military solution inside of Syria. And they will be no more successful in that regard than the United States was in imposing a military solution in Iraq in the last decade. Uh, and certainly no more successful than Russian efforts to impose a military solution on Afghanistan. Uh, Three decades ago. Okay, let's cut it. That's ridiculous. Okay, what, what he's saying is so stupid, it's beyond words. First of all, the United States did impose a military solution in Iraq until the Obama administration blew it. Second of all, when we invaded Iraq, we overthrew a dictator. Currently, the Russians are being invited in by the dictator. Okay, this is not in any way similar. Okay, the United States went in to overthrow Saddam Hussein. If Saddam Hussein had invited us in to crush his own people... That would be like what's going on in Syria right now. What's going on in Syria right now, folks, is that Vladimir Putin has been invited in by Bashar Assad. Bashar Assad wants him there to do his dirty work. That is the purpose of Vladimir Putin being in Russia. And here's where this all goes in the end. The Free Syrian Army will be eliminated. Russia has taken over the airspace over Syria. We're not going to reimpose air restrictions on Russian forces because we're not willing to go to war with Russia. And Putin knows that he has a sucker in the White House and so he can get away with anything that he wants to get away with. So Russia will basically end up conquering Syria with Assad on the one hand and Iran coming in from the east on the other. Meanwhile, Vladimir Putin's already looking to consolidate his next territorial gains. If you think Putin is going to stop here, folks, you are dead wrong. Putin has already eaten Crimea. He's already eaten most of Ukraine. Putin has already moved on Georgia under George W. Bush. I promise you, the next step for Vladimir Putin is going to be moving against Kazakhstan in the south, going after its oil-rich regions, or... Or, more importantly, before Obama leaves office, Vladimir Putin, who is the greatest Russian leader, the most powerful Russian leader since Stalin, and and the the proof is in the pudding because of what he's been able to accomplish, Vladimir Putin will break NATO. This will be the final crowning achievement of Vladimir Putin's tenure and President Obama's fecklessness, is when Vladimir Putin goes into Latvia or Estonia or Lithuania, a place with a heavy Russian population but is a member of NATO, and NATO does nothing because they say it's just Russia reconsolidating ethnic Russians into her territory. If NATO dies, that would be the greatest victory for Russia since the fall of the Soviet Union. And that's on Putin's agenda. Folks, here's the lesson. A world without a powerful United States is not a world that is multipolar. A world without a powerful United States, that gap will be filled by someone. In this particular case, it's being filled by Vladimir Putin. In the East, it's being filled by the Chinese and that makes the world a worse place, because Vladimir Putin is a brutal dictator, not only to his own people, but more importantly to all of the nations that he is currently invading or, or dictators with whom he is allying, whether it's in Syria or Iran. We're about to enter some very dark days, and with a president this cowardly, and it's not even cowardice, with a president this corrupt in his moral thinking, it's very difficult to see who's going to stop Vladimir Putin at this point. We need a new president. We need a Congress that's willing to stop this president, and we need all of that forthwith, because the United States is at low ebb on foreign policy, and Vladimir Putin is drinking our milkshake. More than that, he's getting a lot of people killed. And by the way, that will mean more Americans dead in the future, because this stuff always bleeds over. It always does. We can pretend it's not going to. I promise you, Americans will die both in the Middle East and here at home if the United States continues to reduce its presence around the world if we continue to draw into ourselves and if we continue this nonsensical fecklessness that you see from, from John Kerry, who must be one of the five stupidest people on the planet if he actually believes the garbage that he's spewing at the United Nations. I'm Ben Shapiro, this is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free